Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast. We have another very special guest. And of course, we have our co-host, Corinne French. Hey, hey, can't wait to get started today. Exciting. Yes, so exciting. We have another superintendent. This is Today, we have the superintendent of Royal ISD, Superintendent Kirshner. Superintendent Kirshner, how are you doing today? Hello. Hey, great to be here. Excited uh, always to talk about public education and the great things that we do in the state of Texas with public education. So uh, my name is Rick Kirshner. I'm excited to be here today. We're excited to have you. And before we jump into today's topic, for those that are tuning in, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, as a, as a high school student, I was involved in athletics, and I guess it's since I was eight years old, I was always a part of athletics, and I guess, you know, going through high school, I really probably didn't have a career path in mind, uh, but I was fortunate enough to earn an athletic scholarship to play football at Sam Houston State University, and, and you know, back in the days, uh, I was gone during the summer to visit my grandparents in California, and, and the paperwork came in and asked me what my major was, and my mom put business and sent it back. And so, uh, you know, because back then your parents had access to everything you did, like it is today, uh, where when you turn 18, that, you know, you're solely uh, on your own. But and so I started college and I was a business major for nearly three years. And then I I minored in physical education. And I thought, you know, I I really want to be a coach, you know, and I had said that before. So I switched my major and made my major physical education and my minor business. So I was a business education teacher and a, and a PE teacher. And um, so I, I, I was a teacher and a coach for 12 years and uh, kind of never had the aspiration to be in a school administrator. Uh, but somebody uh, asked me one time if I'd be interested in being assistant principal. So I figured out what I had to do to be an assistant principal. And I went back to school and was received my master's and uh, I was an assistant principal in KDISD for uh, two years and then had a, a fabulous opportunity to open Cinco Ranch High School in KDISD as the administrative principal. So I did that and, and then I, I left public education for seven years and sold life insurance and investments and, and thoroughly enjoyed that time uh, as far as lifestyle, but uh, I missed this business every single day. And mm-hmm. I served for three years on my local community school board, which was Sealy ISD. And oh. so uh, I had a term on that. And it was during that period that I realized that my passion was to come back to public ed. And so I returned to public ed and actually served two years as the Royal High School prin- assistant principal uh, before going to Splendora ISD for 10 years as the high school principal for three and assistant superintendent for leadership and culture for seven. Uh, and then I came back to Royal uh, two years ago, or a year and a half ago, as the superintendent. And, uh, really excited to be here. Uh, have a heart and passion for this community, and a heart and passion for public education. And uh, as a general, in general rule, uh, every single day, my goal is to improve the life of a child. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, as a teacher, I just thought, you know, it's a simple goal. But if I can improve the life of a child, if I can just make one kid smile today. Uh, then I've met my goal and, and I've kind of steered that that point into when I became an assistant principal was to improve the life of a, a teacher and as a principal to improve the life of a teacher because 
uh, ultimately it made me feel like a coach. You know, now you're impacting more kids at a greater level. And then, you know, even as an assistant superintendent, improve the life of a, a, a principal so they can impact teachers that which ultimately impact our kids. And, and now greater as a superintendent, it's every uh, public school employee impact their life to impact our kids. So, uh, wow, I love that. How I got here. I <laughs> so, love that. I love that you mentioned taking a, a break and then that you missed, you know, maybe the lifestyle was a little bit easier, I think, yeah. when you're not in public ed, but you missed that impact and that you took time, you were on a board for a while. I, that is very interesting to me. What were, like, what, as a board member, were you, what was it like to be a board member, okay. know, knowing public ed, what was that like? Well, at first, I thought maybe I probably knew a lot more than I did, uh, but, mm -hmm. you know, I, I did realize not too long is that it's so easy as a board member to kind of get outside of your lane and try and, and Im impact things at a different level that you may not have all the information about. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had to come to that realization, and, and to be honest with you, I had that realization driving down Interstate 10 one day, I'm thinking, you know, why am I making a decision on this or why am I even contemplating, I should take the recommendation on the school administration and make the decision. And, and it had something to do with school scheduling uh, at the secondary school level. And, uh, and so that was an aha moment. But what I like to say is I feel like I have a balcony view uh, now because I have been able to serve on a school board. So I have the balcony view from that perspective. And and when I was running for uh, the seat on the school board, I think I felt like I had a balcony view because I'd been a school administrator and mm -hmm. I've been a teacher and a coach and, uh, and school bus driver every day. So, you know, I, I feel like that, that I, I do have a, a, a lens, if you will, for all aspects of public schools in Texas. That doesn't mean I'm an expert at anything other than at least I have a, a somewhat of a general understanding of, of, you know, being a school board member uh, a school administrator and uh, a superintendent now. So, yeah, you know, Superintendent Kirscher, you, you got me thinking here because on on that last statement you made about having a different perspective, a different lens. So, backtracking a little bit on your background. So, obviously, you had parents that were involved in your education. Absolutely, <laughs> based on what you described there, you had the experience of teaching business. And also teaching public education, not public education, uh, physical education. Yes, and so you obviously those are different perspectives there. Then you went to the business world and you had a got a perspective there. And then you get back into administration. And so, I mean, you've looked at public education and, of course, serving on the board, obviously. Um, so you've looked at public education from a lot of different angles and I'm just curious, what's a topic right now in our current environment that you feel like will will move the needle a little bit on public education if, if we could just get it right? Anything well, I, I really, the huge piece is, uh, is making sure that we develop the right culture within our school districts, you know, uh, and what I mean by that is uh, we have moved into a society where our young people are used to, to gathering and, and having instant gratification with information. And so some of the relational capacity between teacher and student has kind of waned, if you will, in, in my opinion. And, and then that we are uh, living in uh, 
what Flip Flippin says, a, a prolonged period of uncertainty. And uh, that prolonged un, uh, period of uncertainty obviously creates uh, anxiety for people and, and anxiety equals stress. And so I think that, that public schools need to be a safe place for both student and uh, staff member, you know, whether it be a custodian or, or our bus driver or teacher. And because we all need to realize ultimately what we're doing is we're all pulling in the same direction. We have our oars in the water and we need to have our oars in the water in the same direction. But building positive and appropriate relationships with, with staff member to staff member, staff member to student, student to student, and student back to staff member and, and administration or whoever, uh, and try to garner the the understanding that each other is always trying to do their best to pull in the same direction. And that's ultimately to do what's right for our students. I love that. As you said that, I saw this like beautiful circle because you, when you're saying like teacher to student and then, you know, that was just like student to student. It's just like this beautiful circle of what uh, I feel like when I am at my job at the at university level, it's similar but I, I was thinking Gary was going to ask a different question, so I'm going to ask it for him. Okay. When he, when you stepped away from public ed for a bit and did went to the business world, did anything shift when you came back as far as we, we businesses are run definitely different than public ed, and so that's a, that's usually a pro, can be a problem where I think people expect things to be run similar to a business, and that could be a little bit of a conflict. Um, I always like to ask the difference between governance and leadership. It's very Absolutely. different, but did anything change? Was there a shift that you, um, you know, coming back into public ed after being in the business world that you're like, okay, I'm going to approach this a little differently at this stage? Well, absolutely. And, and the, there are two things. One is I had to learn that the wheels of public education move slower than the business world do sometimes, right? As far as decision-making and making those decisions happen, okay? Because I think because there's a lot more stakeholders that you have to involve in the decision-making process and, and, and garner their support for the decision once the decisions come, uh, come to fruition. But secondly, and this is more on a personal level, is when I came back to public education, my passion was fulfilled every day. Okay, my pa passion for the goal that I had, you know, to improve the life of a child. And I think that I had a lot more energy to do that. And I had a lot more energy to stay away from what I call the, uh, the negative Nellies or from the, the uh, dream stealers, I guess. And, not, and I'm not talking about people, but I'm talking about thoughts and personal thoughts, because sometimes we get so caught up in our own little world that we forget about what we're doing in the world, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. And so That's a good point. Mm -hmm. I think that my passion for having the impact in students' lives and, and making an impact there was a lot stronger because I think I experienced something else. Now, I, I think the other thing that I realized about me personally is that money wasn't necessarily my greatest motivator. It was that interpersonal skill interpersonal relationship development on seeing something today and where it can be tomorrow. Mm. Mm, that's so, beautiful. Thank you. Very powerful. And, and Corinne touched on the business side. So I came from the corporate world and before working with uh, public, public education like I do now uh, in ministries, of course. So it, it's always interesting to hear the different perspectives on that for sure. Be because at the end of the day, a lot of the students 
plan on going to work for a business when they when they finish school. So it, it's always interesting to hear that perspective. Now, with the, you, you mentioned operating in a bubble. You, you you mentioned kind of that those interpersonal skills between student and teacher, teacher student, staff to staff. And when you were describing that, I was picturing kind of like a golden thread that just kind of brings everything together. And why do you think that's missing now? I mean, is it something that's changed in culture, technology, social media? I mean, what, what, what's happened in your mind that's, that's caused well, that void? I, 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 I honestly think, and, and it's always been this way, but I think because of the access to information and the, and the speed at which we get it, uh, public schools are a microcosm of society. And uh, in, in the last several years, we also have taken on the microcosm, uh, if you will, of our political environment in the United States and um, our, um, the, I guess, the social ills or the social challenges that the United States has been experiencing over the last several years. And so, you know, some of those, everyone brings those things to school or they bring that baggage with them, I guess, uh, whether they're a student or whether they're a, a teacher or staff member. And I think those things have always happened and that's always been part of our society. But because we garner or we, we have access to that information at such a greater height today and, mm -hmm. at, and at such a quicker speed, for example, you know, you have the Facebooks and you have the Twitters and you have the Instagrams and you have the other social media outlets. And, and some of those things present, present, present challenges at the public school level because um, of things that are placed on there and maybe the way people receive them or, or maybe what the intention was for the way people to perceive them. And so those perceptions are brought to school and, uh, and, and then they, we just, you know, are a smaller, I guess, more integrated, uh, smaller focus group of what the society is today. You know, I don't know if, that, if I'm articulating that clear enough or making or, or providing enough clarity with reference to that, but hopefully you kind of understand what I'm saying. I think, I mean, I think it's just so hard because like you said, there, students were always bringing baggage or, or you know, good and bad to, yeah. to campus. I think something changed when we were, for those that are listening, like years from now, hopefully, like we just experienced a global pandemic. Our students were sent home. Many students didn't have access to the internet. Some were doing packets. Some were doing, you know, just barely getting by in school. Other districts had, you know, were, were already uh, maybe one-to-one -one iPad ratios and, and, and it still was a challenge for them, but some districts were able to deliver that with more mastery for sure than, than some districts. So I, th I think now that they're all back, most schools are back in Texas. I think I, they're, I think students, I think they've lost a little faith and why do I need to listen to this teacher when I can find anything out on Google? I think that's, a, that. it's not necessarily that, that golden thread is missing, but I kind of think that might be the golden thread. We have to find a way to weave that back in where we say, yes, you can find anything right here. But it's going to be important for you to get something settled deep back into you, because just kind of being able to know everything and, and that's not really good either. Does then no one, I think you might have mentioned this, um, maybe not being an expert, but 
really each of us should be an expert in something, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, students like my son who likes to video game, certainly he has mastered some of those games and he can actually get a degree in that. And, and so I, I think we want to get back to like showing students that you will need another person to help you become a master of something. And I, I don't know if that's a golden thread, Gary, that might might be missing. And I think maybe as a challenge to educators right now, because and and I think that's just hard because even my a couple of my kids are just like, it's almost like they've lost a little bit of hope in adults too. Yeah, I, I think you're correct. And uh and and if, if I can speak on this just for a second, yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, you, you kind of talked a little bit about the different learning styles of kids, you know, whether the ones that could stay home and do it, you know, electronically or what have you. I know me personally, I missed that interpersonal interaction with people every day. And I think the vast majority of our kids, uh, their level of performance was really impacted. And some of them, I think, could still rock along, but I think there's more that struggled with that aspect of the learning process. And it, and it may not be because they just struggled with it. It may be because they hadn't experienced it before and now it was forced on them. And then the things that you, you talked about earlier where some people didn't have access to that. For example, in, in our school district here at Royal, and I can't take credit for it because prior to my arrival, they had already taken school buses and placed them strategically throughout the district with uh, hotspots on them so kids could access the internet through the hotspot. Well, prior uh, to COVID, y'all? No, wow. during COVID. No, that oh, was, okay. but okay. I didn't I didn't arrive here until August of 20, of 20. And so that was in the midst of, you know, that mm -hmm. first wave. And uh, so they had already started doing that that summer. And we continued to do that and we continued to monitor the use of it and that type of thing. But uh, I think that we were just forced on, um, you know, taking the leap to learn electronically or, or, you know, distance learning when we weren't necessarily prepared for it. In the grand scheme of things, I think we did a pretty good job or an adequate job. Uh, but I think that, you know, it, to carry on to the last thing, I think that we're still dealing with that lack of human connection uh, during a, a, a period of time that, uh, it has kind of created or highlighted or uh, made significant some of the social challenges that we have in our in our communities in the, in this country. I you know I we said I think we said this on a different podcast, but the ability to do this where we, how we made students uh, learn online so quickly and we brought that about where it's, it's fast that. I think we've talked about that it would have taken 10 years to do that effectively in public ed prior. Like if we were going to plan to do that, yeah. it would have taken 10 years, but we, yeah, we kind of pivoted so quickly. Everyone didn't get to do it with is, you know, the same level of excellence, but we did it. Are there other things in public ed that you kind of like, if we had, if we knew that zoom was going to be such a part of our life, like I would go back and buy stock in zoom. Right. I would have let my bangs grow out. I would yeah. have got a puppy like during COVID. Yeah. There's some funny, I, I think of like some funny things like that, but, but honestly, what, what are some of the things that you could tell a superintendent like 20 years from now, I was, I was watching this. This was starting to be a trend. We really weren't paying attention to it the right way. I mean, do you have something like that? It doesn't have to be groundbreaking, you know, but is there something that you think that we're going to deal with in the future that we could maybe start getting ahead of? Well, and I actually, I think that we are dealing with it even currently, but it's the, it's addressing and meeting the needs of our community where they are 
instead of where we are. And so what I mean by that is that we've had a, a shift where we, we try and reach out and it's not, let's just put this in plain and simple terms. When I was a child or, or a kid in school, you didn't come into the classroom and ask the teacher what you were doing today. You know, the, the teacher mm -hmm. basically, you understood the structure of the classroom that you came in and you were waiting, you waited to be instructed, right? And I remember as a, as a teacher, you know, kids, hey coach, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? And I say, well, we're gonna run hard, turn left and, you know, do whatever. Or, you know, I'd make up something that was, uh, <laughs> was fun with the kids or, or what have you. But most of the time I said, I don't know, it's, it's a suspenseful thing. Let's just see what happens. But, you know, it, in, it, but I, I think today people are used to getting that information. So we have to be able to provide information in different formats. We have to be able to reach out to our community in a, in a greater way. So that's why I was all about doing this because uh, I want to reach our community. I want to let them know that I want to be partners with them. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to partner in, in, in the educational processes of Royal ISD. Uh, we are embarking on an opportunity. We're getting ready to have explosive growth here. I don't know if you know where we're located, but uh, we border Katy ISD to our east and we border Lamar Consolidated ISD to our south and Waller ISD to our north. And then Cypher had kind of, kind of sticks in there just a little bit. So, you know, the, the land between uh, Royal and Katy, there's a lot of old rice field property and stuff like that that's all being purchased and by wow. huge developer, developers. And that's, that's on its way. So I think that, you know, we're trying to embrace how do we reach that population as they come in and how do we um, try and meet the needs of what they want for their students. That's good. There, yeah, I mean, that area is, I remember looking in that area, I don't know, it's probably, wow, I'm aging myself. 20 years ago yeah. and it was all country and now it's just it's it's grown so much now I know we're running short on time here and we, we've talked about a lot of things here we, we've talked about technology we talked about relationships we talked about business and innovation and I'm just reading between the lines it seems like res mutual respect trust plus all the information is almost playing tug of war with it with the kids uh, pulling in different directions because there's so many different perspectives and so many different sources of information they have access to. For, for those that are tuning in, it, it could be a community member uh, that's observing these challenges within their home. It could be another educational leader that is just dealing with some similar issues at their district. What, what's kind of a word of advice that you could, you know, maybe one, one thought that you could share with them that maybe could could, could move in the positive direction related to the issues we talked about? Well, you know, this is really going to be simple, but, you know, I've, I've kind of thought about that lots of times in, in, over my career and the different things that I've done. And, and I think number one is you have to continue to be true to yourself and be the same person every day. Um, and, and, and just remember that, you know, you have to walk before you can run. Uh, try and either surround yourself with people that, that have ideas that you don't and embrace those ideas and, and realize that, uh, you know, especially as a school leader, we don't have all the greatest ideas, but we can definitely piggyback on other people's great ideas and use those and, and manipulate those or, or tailor those, if you will, to fit what you're trying to do. And, uh, you know, just one last thing is, is I think, 
that we need to continue to look at, at how do we uh, tailor our public education in Texas to meet the needs of the ever-changing society that's continuing to develop, you know, uh, things are happening faster than ever. And I think, you know, the, the, I guess you, you could call it the workforce or the CTE pathways and how do we, how do we truly educate the kids and, and find ways for that to happen? For example, we have an early college high school school within a school here at Royal High School. And, and I've uh, been a high school principal of a, a campus that had that. And that truly changes the, the community as a whole because of the education process and, and providing those opportunities for kids. So I think just be the same person you are every day. And, uh, remember that you have to continue to stay, stay, stay the course and not think that you have to change everything you do every day, but listen to other people's ideas and capitalize on them. Outstanding. And, and for those of, it, those of you that have been tuning in, there you go. If you're facing the same challenge in, in your district, or maybe you're a community member that's at home. These are some things to think about to help move things forward. And before we close out, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact is a faith-based company that is providing funding to, to public education and ministries. $1.5 billion given so far using technology and energy savings, creating a yearly recurring source of revenue for schools and ministries. And school districts have used it to increase teacher salaries and it's unrestricted funds, use it for whatever you need. So check out Ideal Impact if your district needs funding. And for those of y'all that have been tuning in, stay tuned for future episodes of the Educational Leadership Podcast.